Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. <sighs> Alright, let's try it again. Okay, so welcome back to Take 3. Uh, this is episode 11. Uh, I'm Kyle, and I'm here with Michael. And, today and that's what the show be- is today. Today we're going to take be three episode about, eleven. You are killing me. This this show is is called Take Three, and we're on episode eleven. Ignore whatever he says next. This is the show about episodes. Take three. The top ten best decapitations. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Welcome back to Bearded B Roll. This is episode eleven. Take three. Uh, the top ten decapitations in movies. Michael's having a panic attack. It's great. I'm Kyle. You already introduced yourself like six times. <laughs> well, they fucking know who it is. Oh my god! That you're. Just... I've also introduced you six times. <laughs> All right, so on to the tenth one. What's your number ten? All right, my number ten for the seventh time is Jason Takes Manhattan. And then, Jay, then, and then Mike goes, oh, you bastard. And then I go, yeah, it's the scene when Julius decides that he thinks he can box Jason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like that time that Drake freestyled at uh, <laughs> that one thing. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And then I say, and then I say, and he's like just doing a song that's not a freestyle because he wrote it and it was on the radio already. <laughs> and he forgot the lines. That was the uh, best. That's what I just did. Uh, so. And then, so then I say, hey, that was a really cool scene because that's when Julius starts punching Jason and he's really going at it. And uh, then he gets all sweaty and tired and Jason looks kind of confused and excited by the whole prospect of somebody challenging him physically and then proceeds to take one punch that completely knocks Julius's head off of his body, off the side of a building and into a dumpster. I'm pretty sure the lid on the dumpster closes after the head goes in. And that's what I call a rooftop rumble. I don't know why I did that. I just wanted to And you dumb. say the shit I say is forced. <laughs> I did that one on purpose, though. And that, that kid that was... is a rooftop rumble. All right, so what's your number 10? I'm sorry, that was terrible now. The people are like, man, it sounds like they talked about this before, but now we still have no idea. But we did talk about it before. We just didn't get yeah, very far. We broke far. down Jason movies and stuff. We talked about how Corey <sighs> Feldman saved the children. 
Corey Feldman saves the children. All right. So what's your number 10? My number 10 is uh, not actually a decapitation. Not yep. technically. Yeah, we had a whole argument about this. So this one doesn't count. This one does count. It counts because someone loses their head. And like I said already, I uh, based my list mostly off of things that actually like escalated plot, continued the plot, served a purpose in the plot, or just shit that made me laugh. So for this one, in Pulp Fiction, Jules and Vince Vega are driving down the street. They got a guy named Marvin in the back seat, and Vince turns around to ask Marvin what he thinks about divine intervention and fate. But he's holding a gun on the side of the seat, sort of like it's not dangerous, even remotely. The car hits a bump, and then all of a sudden, Marvin's head explodes all over the back of the car. And they're driving down a busy street in Los Angeles, broad daylight, just blood, gore, and chunks of brain and skull everywhere. Sorry, I had this weird dream last night that this mob boss was trying to hire me to figure out where some snuff films were being made. It involved liquid nitrogen and severing fingers. I'll probably cut that part out. Severing the fingers with liquid nitrogen? No, keep this in. Uh. <laughs> All right. What were we talking about? We were talking about Pulp Fiction. Uh, <laughs> Marvin's head blows up. It was a total accident. I liked it. Probably one of the best parts in Pulp Fiction. Advance the plot in a very fun way. So, so here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. If we do, like, top 10 best headshots or, like, top 10 heads blown off, you're not allowed to use that again. It is removed from your canon. All right. So on to the next one. Number nine. Number nine, 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 nine. So my number nine, and um, you're gonna think it's weird because I know I never bring up Pulp Fiction, but is Pulp Fiction? Oh, wow. The scene where Beatrix is recounting uh, Oren Ishii's rise to power in the Yakuza, and um, basically the reason nobody ever brings up her non-traditional background, because really you got to be like Japanese to be a Yakuza, but she is what. <laughs> You're not allowed to cut this, but you want to. You might want to say the name of the real movie. Oh fuck! Did I say Pulp Fiction. Yep. Yeah, you did. And I waited. And I waited until it was like you had gone far enough that you can't cut it out <laughs> to inform you. So Pulp Fiction, when there's the Yakuza out of nowhere. I didn't even know Lucy Liu was in that. How cool would Pulp Fiction have been? I mean, it was already awesome, but how cool would it have been if there was also Yakuza? How cool would it be if Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill were one movie, actually? Just give me a minute, okay? I'm going to go fuck myself. Um, (laughs) God damn. So, Kill Bill, Kill Bill. I can't help myself. I put Kill Bill in virtually every top ten list we make. And I'll probably fucking do it again next time. Will always be weird to me. It's okay. It's a fun movie. It's a throwback. The entire time I've known you, all you've ever done was talk about this movie, especially when you found out that I hadn't watched it for a while. Like it's a movie that fully embraced like the legacy of the Shaw Brothers movies, and Crippled Avengers is one of my favorite movies in that genre. So I have to, and it even has the same opening title sequence with like Shaw Scope. It's it's it makes me happy. Okay, so whose head gets cut off and why and how? And so Oren Ishii is uh, the recounting her tale of her rise to power in the Yakuza 
And she has a little bit of a non-traditional background because usually Yakuza have to be 100% straight up Japanese, but she is a half Chinese, half Japanese, American born girl. Progressive. So everything that you wouldn't expect when you say Yakuza. And um, I guess her brutality and her intelligence is what helped her rise to power. She was also like a really renowned assassin before that. Um, and some dude at the the celebration dinner for like her, you know, announcement as boss of all Yakuza decides to sit there and have sort of a tantrum about a half Chinese, half Japanese woman leading the Yakuza and how it's it's a shame and it's dishonoring their ancestors. And she gets up really quick and just cuts his head off in one fell swoop. And his body's still sitting there. The head rolls to the side. The other Yakuza guys are screaming while they're here to have dinner because it just scared the shit out of them. And blood's spurting up kind of comically. From I don't know what it actually looks like when someone gets decapitated, but I'd like to think it looks just like that. What about you? What's your number nine? My number nine. It's from the greatest film trilogy of all film trilogies. Harry Potter's crap. Other movies that are trilogies that I don't know of are crap. Oh my god, Harry Potter's not a trilogy. There are like seven movies. You know, trilogy means three, right? Evil Dead 2. The scene I'm specifically talking about is in both of them, but different. And in this one, though, Ash is on the ground, his girlfriend is floating above him all dead-eyed out, and she goes in to attack him, and he swings, like, the dullest square axe thing, or not axe, shovel, at her and lops her head right off, and then it just proceeds to fall on his chest and mock him, before he ends up putting it into a vice and chainsawing it. Oh, we should also point out again, spoilers, spoilers. Nothing but spoilers. I'm going to spoil everything. If you like movies, they're spoiled. Many spoilers. Let's go number eight. Number eight. What's your number eight? Number eight. My number eight. Dead Alive. There's two scenes in Dead Alive that I was thinking of when I said this. All of a sudden, I'm having weird problems with my whole face. Uh, so, (laughs) (laughs) so the two scenes that I was thinking when I, when I, when I, when I, fuck, like a fucking record with a scratch in it. So the two scenes, um, the first scene is when the nurse is comforting Lionel after his mom dies and telling him it's going to be okay. But it turns out his mom is yes, dead, but also undead. And she comes up behind her. And in a super disgusting way, shoves her fingers in the lady's like cheek muscles and skin and then yanks her head backwards, ripping it like two thirds of the way off. None of it scientifically makes sense, but, you know, it's awesome and gross. The other scene is there's a scene where they're in the scent, the, the graveyard, a ninja priest kicks off like this greaser guy's head that then falls back down, bites him and turns him into a zombie also. That was a really funny scene too, because he he took that greaser guy apart. Like he breaks his arms off first, then he kicks his legs off. He's it's kind of like the Black Knight from Monty Python. It's like that, and it's also like the New Zealand version of a trauma film. Yeah, but but better. But better. Anyway, what's your number eight? My number eight is Battle Royale, and I put Battle Royale on a different list too. Are your lists just the same movies? Uh, some of them. I feel like all of these movies have been on your list so far. Well, you have to admit, all these movies had super creative ways of dispatching people. It wasn't like there was just one, like, you know, Friday the 13th, those movies, like, there's like a couple different ways people get killed. But, you know, something like uh, Battle Royale actually gets, like, pretty creative with with the way it, it handles it. And in this one, 
my favorite character in Battle Royale was the the villain guy who doesn't say a word like the entire time, Kuriyama. I really appreciated his like violent sort of uh, scare tactics, like when he shoots the girl and holds the megaphone up to her mouth so everyone else can hear her suffering. I just love that. There was something like super despicable about it that just made him we a get fantastic it. You're villain. You're a sadist. Uh, oh yeah, like look who's talking. So, but then there's a scene where he shoots this guy in the chest, and the guy pretends to be dead, and then sits up a little later, and he's like, "Ha ha, I'm alive!" Because his like special weapon that he had the whole time was a bulletproof vest. What he didn't realize was that Kuriyama was still standing like on top of the roof, staring at him. So he jumps down and attacks him with a samurai sword. And you don't see him get decapitated right away, but then the main characters are hiding out in this um, little shack, I guess, and he knows they're in there. And then all of a sudden, like he throws the dude's head through the window. And that scares them. But then they look at it and realize that the head has a grenade crammed into its mouth. Great, great scene. Great scene. I did try to avoid off scene decapitations, though. Well, I mean, this one, it was like they still used the head. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they just did it and then cut away from it. And then that was the last time you saw the character. Like we do see his his head later. And it was used in a creative way and a functional way. So I just appreciated like, you know, those like waste not, want not. But if we're talking about creative different ways, the fact that you use two samurai swords, man. On to number seven. This one, um, David Gale, the character's name was Carl Hill. We've got Herbert West, played by Jeffrey Combs. Basically, he is obsessed with the idea of reanimating dead tissue, reanimating dead corpses, and ultimately defeating death. And he has this super bright green serum that he used, which was actually the liquid extracted from glow sticks, fun fact. And um, this guy, Carl Hill, doesn't really like Herbert West, but at some point he realizes what he's capable of, that he's actually reanimating dead tissue. So he um, tries to come after him, steal his secrets, and Herbert basically decapitates him with a shovel. And it's not so much the decapitation that really stood out to me here, it's just kind of the creative uses of the head. In the first one, he, he can still, oddly enough, control his body, even though his head's not attached to it. So he has his body walking around, carrying his head, bumping into things. And at one point, uh, there's a woman strapped down to a table, and I don't think he actually got to complete the act, but he was totally having his body move his head down and position it so that he, with his severed head, could perform cunnilingus on this woman. Nice. So that was one. And then he came back in Reanimator 2. His head was in some kind of weird comatose state, but it was still twitching. And apparently there was like a whole thing where they wanted to film it at a sideshow carnival that they didn't do, so they just referenced it. And the guy found it like, oh, we found this at a sideshow off the interstate. <laughs> Don't you love that when the movies do stuff like that? Or like either they cut the scene, but they still want to mention the scene. Or they have a scene planned that they're told they, they can't do because of whatever reason. And they're like, you know what? <laughs> what if we just describe it? And uh, they described it and it made me want to have like seen it more. But um, basically, before he brought the head back to life, the other guy had also injected the serum in a bat that was like a dead bat stuck to a Uh, like a board flapping and trying to get away. So the guy cuts its wings off and then like realizes the wings and and the body are still alive. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but later in the movie, those bat wings are like stapled to the side of this guy's decapitated head. So he's like flying around with bat wings on his severed head. Makes sense. Makes sense. What about you? What's your number seven? From dusk till dawn. And it's when George Clooney uses a whip to remove a sex machine's head. Pretty straightforward. I don't really have any commentary other than that. That was great. That was a, I forgot about that part. Uncreative because that happens a lot in movies, but 
it gets more creative as it goes on. Don't you remember what happened to it after that? And this no, part was remember. like totally inexplicable because I forgot about it. So you just mentioned it. His decapitated corpse is like standing there in an all fours position and something starts to pop out of the head hole. And then his body turns into like a giant fucking rat for no reason. Number six. I have Final Destination, the first Final Destination. Um, so Final Destination, it's the scene where they're they're figuring out like the list and like who's next, and they're in the car and the train goes or the train's coming, and the one dude just says like fuck it and he parks the car on the train and then like can't get out or whatever, and then he gets freed and then Sean William Scott character, um, oh shit, I wrote it's Billy starts yelling about how like all like that guy's supposed to be next and he's going to die. And they're having this big argument about it. And the train comes by and well, the train already came by because it hit the car and there's like scrap metal from the car underneath the train. And it's rattling around, hits the wheel and it pops out and chops his head off. And he wasn't supposed to be next on the list, but because the main character guy saved that other guy with the way that movie works, it like reverts the list and changes things. Now, does that count as a full decapitation? Because that went like... Are you really going to be like this? You're going to be like this because you chose to use the scene that was absolutely zero chance decapitation. Nothing about it was decapitation. It was vaporization, if anything. And you're not going to argue the legitimacy of every other actual decapitation on the list? Did you just call somebody getting shot in the head vaporization? I'd love to see that criminal defense. I've learned something way better than I've ever needed to learn that there's a word for. Do you know what the word is for what happens to you if you go through a black hole? Spaghettification. I was going to say implosion, but... Nope. If you go through a black hole, what it does to you is spaghettification. And that's the technical term? That's the technical term. What's your number six? Well, my number six uh, is Jason Takes Manhattan. So let's move on. All right. Number five. What's your number five? My number five is also, and heavy spoiler alert here, um, also a Friday the 13th, but this time I'm taking it back to Friday the 13th, part one. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> that was my honorable mention. How's that an honorable mention? That's like an iconic scene. And one of the most iconic <laughs> things about that scene is that that was not Betsy Palmer getting her head cut off. That was like one of the special effects guys. Because when when she gets decapitated and holds her hands up, there are some big ass sausage fingers and like, hairy ass hands like it is not betsy palmer's hands. it's because you can't decapitate an actual actress but you can decapitate a set hand nobody's gonna remember that nobody actually got decapitated you know that right like you're, you're aware of that all right so what happens we've got our final girl and i'm just totally drawing a blank on her name at this point do you remember her name blonde camp counselor number one which honestly that kind of brings up some interesting questions about the final girl right because she gets killed like immediately at the beginning of the second one finds jason's mother's head placed another staging one by the way another one where jason seems to have staged something with a severed head that one's right out the gate maybe he does do that maybe but those are like the only two times maybe he's just got a thing with heads but he puts his mother's head in the refrigerator so when the girl opens the fridge, she's freaked out, horrified, and then he pops out from behind the door with, I think, like a screwdriver or an awl or something and shoves it clean into her ear, killing her. And that's how the movie opens, um, which also raises like a whole host of questions. Like, we have this guy that's basically a moron and never leaves the forest, and yet he is able to track this woman down, not knowing her name or anything, find out where she lives, brought a head with him, 
and then makes his way all the way back to Crystal Lake. It was kind of implausible. Yeah, so like I always thought he was a ghost monster. I didn't know like this theory that in the second one he was alive. I wasn't even aware of that. But I don't think I've ever watched the movies in order either. I mean, that would that would help. I've just kind of watched them bouncing around. Watch if they don't matter. The order of them doesn't matter. Nobody watches them for the continuity. So that was my number six. That was uh, Friday the 13th, part one. All right, on to number five. Wait, so what? Wait, that was number five. I thought you said that was number six. I was wrong. Number six for me was Jason Takes Manhattan. We're on your number five now. All right, on to my number five, Idle Hands. Now, I remember Seth Green getting like a bottle shoved in his face, but I don't remember a decapitation here. Seth Green wasn't the one that got decapitated. The the redheaded dude's the one that gets decapitated. What happens is Anton uh, Tobias, his hand has been taken over by the devil. His friends come over. Well, his pot dealers. I don't even know if they're really friends, but his friends slash pot dealers come over. See that he's killed his parents and start to panic. And he tries to blame his possessed hand on everything because this is when it starts to take over for him. And... In in reaction, his hand smashes a bottle, yes, into it breaks the bottle and then shoves it into Seth Green's head. I'm not 100% sure that would actually work to kill somebody, but there's only one way to find out. I, I'm always confused by movies, like how much stuff can easily pass through a skull. Right? <laughs> like a like the glass was easily broken by this counter, but then can penetrate a skull without any issue. Um, and then, so what ends up happening, though, is the, the redheaded guy... Um, he's trying to run away and he's promising that he's not going to tell anybody. And Anton's still like, it's not me. It's my hand. And the hand, um, I guess sees, uh, a circular saw blade and he flings it like a Frisbee and cuts his head off with that. What's your number five? Dude, I did my number five already. You're the one that wanted to do this order and, and, and you were just fucking it up. (laughs) Number four, go. (laughs) Wait, I go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whatever makes you feel you better. Hurt my I... head. You broke my whole head. <laughs> Wait, did I do number five? Did you do number five? I don't you know, know what's happening it now. Really, it really doesn't matter. It does. It does so much. It's never been difficult until now. All right, so my number four is the movie Chips. Have you ever seen the movie? Chips. The like new the, one. Not, like the, not remake like the, of the old people. Is it Dex Shepard and that guy yeah. who was on Fantasy Island, the movie? I... Michael Penne. Pena. In this scene, Dak Shepard is chasing the main bad guy's son. I was like, it, the main bad guy is also a cop. It's played by that guy, um, who I can't think of his name right now, but people know him. And uh Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, Dak it's it's a motorcycle movie, if anybody doesn't know. Chips is based off a television show about motorcycle cops, so there's a motorcycle chase. They're they're going across the bridge, and at the same time that they're going across the bridge, there's a tow truck that, for whatever reason, is all the way across one side of the street, and it has a strap chain to a car that's been rolled over, and it's trying to like pull it over so it's like upright. So there's a taut chain. They're on motorcycles. The bad guy is looking back to check to see where the cop is chasing him, goes neck first into the chain, and his head flies like a million feet into the air. Um, Dak Shepard then sees it, you know, ducks underneath the chain and goes, oh my God, he's dead. Which then prompts the the bad guy to like flip out because he's driving a SWAT vehicle and he tries to run everybody over from then on. So what's your number four? My number four is, which I started 
say before when you had like a conniption fit. Um, my number four is Hostel Part Two. Who gets decapitated in that? Well, Jay Hernandez, the guy who is the only survivor at the end of Hostel One, and he remember he like cuts off the guy's fingers and slits his throat over uh, the toilet. Mm-hmm. It ends with him like getting on a train and and leaving. I think there was an alternate ending that I'm just forgetting, but anyway, it ends with him getting on a train and leaving. And then Hostel 2 picks up with him staying. They don't really give us any context here. Somehow he got some kind of like European MILF to like give him housing for a while or something. And he's just hanging out there and she goes upstairs. He's like downstairs having coffee. And when she comes back down, he's sitting at the table, just head gone. And then the next shot is like a motorcycle with a box strapped to the back of it, like driving super fast until it gets to a cafe and like gives it to this guy who has a dog next to him that is the exact same breed of dog that the dog tattoos were that the people got in the first one. And then he just okay. like, the guy with the motorcycle helmet on like nods to him. And then the guy just puts his feet up on the box. And it's like understood that it's the guy's head. But later on, the main character of Hostel 2 thinks she's being rescued by some people. She doesn't realize that she's actually like in the house of the guy who like owns the people killing company, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Torture tours. Yeah, and she accidentally goes into this, she like hits a button on like a bookcase or something, and it opens up like a secret door. And when the camera flashes inside of it, it's just like a whole bunch of severed heads, like artistically mounted on platforms underneath, uh, you know, top down lighting. And in the very centerpiece of it is Jay Hernandez's head, like the one who got away. And right next to it on the left was like a cast of Eli Roth's head. So I thought that was pretty fun. Life goals, not gonna lie. To have a room like that? Yeah, that sounds pretty sweet. It would be sweet. What's your number three? Didn't I just go? Uh, yeah, you literally just went. That's how this works. <laughs> uh, my number three, and it's not a movie that I like necessarily. It's just, one, when it finally happened, it was like super fucking satisfying. And two, it directly related to the plot in every way. They never quite explained why. Anyway, it's... uh. Highlander, you know, Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery, and that guy who played the the dick guard in uh, Shawshank Redemption. Um, yeah, because this one, For I mean- One was... second, just because of the way our conversations have been going, when you said dick guard, <sighs> I had a whole different idea of what you meant. And I was like, I've never seen a movie where someone just guards dicks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but- that's actually a pretty good idea. But if you have a wall of dicks, you're probably going to need a dick guard. Anyway. Jesus Christ. I don't think anybody's going to necessarily try to take those dicks from you. I mean, what use would... You never know. If you get, like, the world's biggest one, someone might, man. That's a trophy. Anyway, let's, 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 let's stay on track. You yelled at me now. I'm fixing it. You took us off track, bro. You continued following it. We were on track, and you were like, yo, wait, 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 wait. If you chase, you race. Wait, though. Let's go. Dicks. Number three. I want to talk about dicks now. Number three. Number three. Like I said, Highlander. Basically, they're immortals. They are going around through time. For some reason, they want to kill each other to get some kind of prize. None of them know what it is. They just want it. They think it's going to make them all powerful to, like, kill. Because there can only be one. Yeah, that doesn't... Like, why, though? Is this, like... Is it, like, the same idea as, like... What was a Jet Li movie where he was traveling through time and like killing his alternate selves because it gave him more power? Well, that was so like that. That was a little different. That was, but because in in Highlander they don't actually get like more power 
from just killing somebody. They just know, like they can sense when other ones are around. Jet Li, that one, it was like the guy was specifically going through um, different realities, parallel universes, because he wanted to kill all the other versions of himself. And that was making him stronger, but it was also making the other one, because there were two guys left, the killer and this one guy who just didn't understand why he was like super strong all of a sudden. Um, but that's, that's different. Cause that, that involved like interdimensional travel and like space police and okay. trying to stop the fact. Okay. Aside from all that stuff, I thought it was basically the same plot as Highlander, but I guess I'm wrong. It definitely in like, somebody definitely watched Highlander and was like, yeah, what if Jet Li was in that? <laughs> okay. So that was mine. Cause the, I can't even remember the guy's name. I did not like Highlander, but I, d- I did appreciate the fact that decapitation played such an important part in the movie. Like if people didn't get decapitated, that's probably a pretty big portion of the movie right there. You're like sitting there watching like, man, if people's heads were getting cut off, I would have liked this. No, no, no. There's another one. If there was, I, I also am not a huge fan of Christopher Lambert. I didn't mind him when he played Raiden in like the 1995 version of Mortal Kombat, but I'm not like a huge fan of his filmography overall. Um, it was just a video game version of a movie or yeah. Strike sure. that reverse. I'll it. go with that. <laughs> My number three was uh, the movie 30 days of night. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but when I was like looking up stuff and doing research, uh, I just rewatched I that. I did like um, this movie a few months ago, actually. So then you'll know the scene a little better than me. There's a scene where Josh Hartnett and like the people that he's the survivors that he's with, because it's dark. The vampires come to this town in Alaska to feed on them for the 30 days that it happens. Um, so he's with a group of people and they get attacked by a vampire and the one member gets bit. And while that guy is like about to change, Josh Hartnett, who looks like he's crying all the time anyway, is I think actually crying at this point takes an axe and in the complete opposite to off scene decapitation, they do like a hardcore, like I'm not really sure how they got this through like the MPA without like an NC 17 rating or something. Yeah. Because this was probably like the, this has to be actually, I don't know why it's number one, but like it's not cause it's not for fun. Uh, he does it. It takes like three whacks. It's not like, uh, the ridiculousness of like one sword swing. It's more realistic. And like, the sound effects on it are horrifying. If he had a Hattori Hanzo sword, it would have been a lot faster. <laughs> Just saying. No, this it's so much harder to cut a head off. Not Dude, when you have the right tools, man. And muscle. You got to put muscle into it. You got to think about edge uh, geometry. Yeah, I watched Forged in Fire too. I understand. But like, it, it is possible. You don't want to have to hit somebody in the head 20 times to take their head off. Can you imagine how messy executions would be they used the guillotine in france up until like the 80s by the way should bring it back yeah anywho number two for number two i picked my eyeball itches so for my number two just on the fact that this movie in general was like i don't know super fucked up i've never been able to finish it not because of something because of me but literally every time i put it on at some point somebody i'm watching it with can't watch it anymore Uh so i don't think i've made it all the way through like halfway of this movie but it's it's did i say it was hereditary because it's hereditary oh man that's my number Um, one (laughs) so so, (laughs) damn all right well it's uh peter's rushing his sister charlie who's going into like anaphylactic shock to the hospital and he's all high and like yeah, he brought her to a fucking, like, a, his little sister to a party where he was just trying to get like laid. A high and, school party. Yeah, yeah, it was, like, totally inappropriate. People were nice to just her. Just go but over she, there and eat a brownie. 
Wasn't it like yeah. a pot brownie too or something? Or they had nuts in it, right? No, she but was it had allergic. Nuts in it. Yeah, it had nuts in it. Yeah, she was allergic to nuts. I think that the weed would have been fine. <laughs> but um, so she's sticking her head out because she's struggling to breathe, and he's like panicked driving all over the road, gets too close to like a telephone pole, and like smashes her head off. Yeah, and it is. Does he go back and fantastically horrible feeling because like no, he does not. No, he just drives home like nothing happened. That scene. He has like a panicked moment where he doesn't, he refuses to look back. And I understand the reasoning like that they set it up that way is because if he'd looked back, then it would be real. And so he's just like, you okay, Charlie? And then like, he just goes home. He knew she wasn't. He knew. He like drove home, went to bed, leaving the dead, like decapitated corpse of his sister in the back seat. And doesn't say a fucking word to his parents. And then, like, when he wakes up in the morning, it's, like, just the sounds of the mother, like, finding the body and screaming. And it's just, like, it's so horrible that, like, you can't even really... It's, like, a visceral reaction when you're watching it. Yeah, you just feel... You are, like... It's, like, gut-wrenching. And as parents, like, you feel that. Like, she just walked out to the car. No idea she would find her. Like, she assumed that she was, like, safe and in bed because the brother was supposed to, like, have taken care of her and put her to bed. While she's screaming, she says, where's her head? I don't remember they, that. Like, specifically. Go to the scene. They go back and they see like bugs crawling on it. That's oh, right. Yeah. But you know what? I actually, I had this. I'll, you know what? I'll save it because I actually had this on my list for other reasons. So, um. Okay. So we'll bring it up when you get to your number one. So what's your number two? My number two is seven. <laughs> is that your number one? No, it's just another off-screen one. Yeah, but it was so important to the plot. Like, and this is a big spoiler, so if you've ever not seen Seven, I suggest you skip this part. Or watched Family Guy or any other comedy well, parody thing. Because it, it's the perfect, like, it. I really, and I don't want to, like, make this sound weird, but I kind of, like, respected the commitment of the killer in Seven. It was kind of like, it was a better version of Saw. It was like everything Saul wanted to be was like this guy. Like decades before Saul. Yeah, because Seven came out in what, like 97? 97? I think so, yeah. And, um, you know, it, the basic concept is that the killer is killing people uh, according to the Seven Deadly Sins. And he actually does give one of them a choice in true, like, jigsaw fashion. There's a model, and Vanity is her sin. So he uh, cuts her face up, slashes it all to pieces. And then gives her uh, two options. He, he gives her a bottle of sleeping pills in her left hand, in her right hand, and a telephone in her left hand. So she can call for help or she can kill herself. Like she can choose to be alive or she can be consumed by her vanity and kill herself because if she's not beautiful, she doesn't want to live. And that was what she chose. And it's not the first time, it's not the only time, I should say. It's not the only time he gives somebody a choice because uh, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman are the two detectives trying to uh, catch him. They don't really get close pretty much at any point until Kevin Spacey, the killer, walks into the police station and yells, detectives, and he's like covered in blood. And I don't remember exactly what the scenario was, but he explains to them that he'll tell them everything they want to know if they drive him to a location. So he has them drive him out to the middle of the desert, and he's done every kill, every sin except wrath at this point, and has them drive him out to the desert. They're in the middle of some like middle of nowhere location they're not near any buildings and they're just standing there waiting and like a fedex truck shows up and brings a package over to brad pitt's character like has his name and everything and asks him to sign for it and brad pitt's just starts yelling you know like he's confused he's scared he's like what's in the box what's in the box and when he opens it it's his wife's head gwyneth paltrow's head and then 
Kevin Spacey, the killer, starts telling him about how he paid her a visit and went to see her and tried to play husband and wife with her, but she wasn't interested in him. So he took her head. And Morgan Freeman's standing there trying to tell Brad Pitt not to kill him. Like, don't kill him. This is what he wants. He wants you to be wrath. He wants you to be anger. And uh, Brad Pitt shoots him. And then it just kind of ends with Brad Pitt being like taken away in a police car. Not that he's necessarily going to do any jail time. Like that was like definitely a case for temporary insanity. Like he just found his wife's head in a box and she was pregnant too. And, you know, it was just a super depressing ending because yeah, he killed the killer, but the killer wanted him to kill it. Like he completed his masterpiece of like the seven deadly sins. And it was just super well-written and super integral to the plot. Well, I mean, it's because even if he doesn't physically kill Brad Pitt at this point, Brad Pitt's his, his general character is like gone. Oh yeah. He destroyed him. No, no, no. I mean like he, he's just, he's been destroyed. He's dead. Like who he was is dead. So he, with wrath, he has like, in a way killed Brad Pitt. So he has killed, he has done it. Yeah, no, it, it was like, that's what I'm saying. The killer won. the killer. Like I, I don't know. I read somewhere. I can't remember which writer it was, but the basic quote was like, the more your villain wins, the better your movie is. And I think this was like a really good example of that. Yeah, the bad guy should always get away. All right. So we have made it to number one. Do you want to do your honorable mentions now? Oh yeah, my honorable mentions. And I have a few on here. And some you're going to be like, why the fuck is that even there? And my first one is actually from the Scrubs TV show um, for a disembodied floating head doctor. Because the main character, JD, keeps having these visions of how cool it would be to have like his head not be attached to his body and all the different ways he could make that work for him. Like having his body clap for him while his head performs karaoke, various things like that. Um, and my other one, and you're going to disagree. Oh, it's not a decapitation, but it's definitely high up there on list of like head trauma in film. And it has to be the scene in scanners where that dude's head blows up. The special effects also are just fantastic in that scene. I was watching a slow motion gif of it earlier at like, like 10 times. Okay. So mine were, like I said, Jason Voorhees is, or Mrs. Voorhees getting her head lopped off with a machete. And you just came up with a great idea for a porno. You said Jason Voorhees. Write that down. Yeah, he has a machete dick. All right, I wasn't going that way with it, but all and right. then the other one going along the lines of of you and not picking a full decapitation uh, was the babysitter, the the second one, Killer Queen, where Max, the one devil worshiping dude guy, is. Like riding on like a like a is this the guy who keeps taking his shirt off? Yeah, yeah, he's like the best character in the whole movie. Um, he's on like a tube, and they're like on the boat, and they're like pulling away, and he's like behind it, and she's like, "Hang on, wait a minute," and they stop, and he crawls to them, and I forget what she does to him, like maces him or something that makes him freak out, and he goes underwater, and then they turn on the boat, and the boat like obliterates his like front half of his head. So it counts, but just the front. Even though it's not a full. Well, it counts in that it's it's not on the list list. It's on on mention <laughs> type thing because it wasn't quite there. I had a lot of problems See? with that movie too. That movie was I don't know. I liked the first one. The second one was just kind of like, hey, what if we made all the same jokes again but worse? I, know, I didn't hate it, but the first one is better. Yeah, I know it was like super forgettable. Like I don't remember anything about it. Other it's really than- hard to make it like this. Like the first one had the good part of like it was like a kid and you know his crush on his babysitter, and then she uses that to like try and sacrifice him. That's great. And you can't really pull that plot twice, which they tried to do by just making it his neighbor crush friend. It really just didn't need a sequel. I think is the main problem. Yeah, it did. 
I didn't hate it, but it, it definitely had its problems. All right, so number one. What was your number one? Well, like I said, my, you already got my number one with your number two. Um, sounds like we're like peeing and pooing on each other's pee and poo. Um, nice. So uh, hereditary, but not for the, the daughter decapitation scene. I wrote this one down just for like, it was the, I mean, the main theme of it really was decapitation and it had a high volume of decapitation because we have like, I don't remember the exact details, but there was a book that had drawings of it in like a satanic ritual of decapitated corpses. There's a bird that gets decapitated at one point. The mother at some well, point- Wasn't that kind of the whole plot of the movie, not to give away too many spoilers, but isn't the whole plot like the grandmother wanted to sacrifice the granddaughter and then through this chain of events, that's what unfolds technically? Not exactly. Um, the grandmother was a devil worshiper. And um, the other decapitation is at some point the mother cuts her own head off with like a piano wire. Like she wraps it around her neck and then like flosses till there's no head left. And that was just super intense. Um, okay, that's super metal. I don't think you could do that because by the time you've I'm, gotten through your jugular and <laughs> shit, you're not sawing anymore. I think she was like levitating at this point. I don't think there was like a reality aspect to it. I think like sp- supernatural forces had taken over. Um, See, I definitely have to finish this movie because I've only ever gotten like halfway the, through. The basic plot is that, it, not that they wanted to sacrifice her, but the problem is the grandmother had been like a Satan worshiper or some demon maybe. And she did everything to help this demon be reborn, but there was a mistake. The uh, daughter who has some kind of like handicap, I don't really know what, but the demon was accidentally born into her when it was supposed to have been born into the sun. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it ends basically with like the son throwing himself out of a window because he's just being haunted by this spirit and also the guilt of having accidentally killed his sister. Um, and it just gets so weird at the end because he is standing there, like he wakes up and it's not him anymore. It's like the demon now. And mm-hmm. he goes up to this tree house that they have and puts on like sort of a crown of flowers, I think. And then the grandmother's corpse, which has somehow been dug up, and the mother's corpse, which is like freshly decapitated, are like standing at his feet, like genuflecting, like they're in a bowed like prayer position. And it just kind of like ends with like the rise of this demon. I mean, everything about this movie screamed like decapitation. Like it was a huge, huge plot point and like thematic element throughout it. And it was just super creepy. Do you fucking think the creepy. crown of flowers in this led to the crown of flowers in Midsummer? I mean, it's definitely the same director. That was kind of the cool thing about it, because Hereditary had a big budget, but it didn't have like a super big cast. And then we see, you know, the director went with with a much larger, more expansive cast in the second one and still managed to like pull it together with that same sort of claustrophobic sense of like isolation while having it be like super community based. So um, I feel bad for that director, though, because of Hereditary and how successful it was. Midsummer did a lot worse because everybody kind of like tight cast him into making another Hereditary. So when this one was like, like Hereditary is all at night pretty much, and Midsummer is like all during the day, and everybody was expecting like this dark, like movie like Hereditary, and then it was like nothing like it aside from like the little thing. The only that... night part in that was when it's the flashbacks to like the her home, well, not flashbacks, but the family being killed by her sister. That's at night. Well, that, and then when, like, the redhead puts the thing under the bed. But actually, also the fact that it's never actually nighttime there. They're just in a dark room. I no, no, it's that. dark. Or at least in her dream, it's dark. Remember when she has, like, that 
No, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about the scene when when the redhead puts the uh, the druid thing underneath the bed. No, of no I know, but I just meant it's dark out when she has that dream that like they're driving away without her and leaving her there. Oh yeah, and I think it was dark when the guy broke into the house right. to get the the book too. I'm actually really unclear on this the the time frame and sunshine there because it was like sunny at like ten o'clock at night or whatever in in it, the one shot. It didn't get dark there. Um. All right. So my number one. You're you're not gonna agree probably at all, but it's from Deadpool. It's in the opening scene in the car chase scene when he's like monologuing everything, and it's just because it's epic. It's of all these other ones, it's like a subtle thing. Like somebody, one person gets their head cut off. That's the only thing that's happening in the scene. I just described scene, multiple people being decapitated in Hereditary. That's not one scene. Now, not multiple people get decapitated in this scene, but there's a lot more things happening in this scene than the other ones. Like, well, closer like chips. Where chips, there's like a whole chase, but. In this one, he's shooting people up, he's, like, fighting everybody, there's motorcycles chasing him and, like, doing drive-bys on it, and he manages to, like, flip the car while killing the driver and everyone in it, and as it flips, a chain breaks loose from, like, somewhere, I don't even know where it came from, and there's a motorcyclist, and the chain chops the motorcyclist's head off, and the great part is, though, is, like, all of this is in, like, slow motion, so you watch everything unfold super, like, like visually, and I, I don't know, it's awesome. That's actually something I miss from movies because like 80s movies, they used to show the same special effect from like multiple angles five times. And that's because like it was a practical effect and they were just so proud of doing it. You know, they wanted <laughs> like to make sure people saw it. And that's something they were like, really... we can only do this once. Make sure we have 15 cameras in here. Pretty much. Yeah. And then like, do you want to show them this scene or this one or this shot? And it's like, no, no, all of them. What if we just circle around it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what was great about this. This is like so much happening. And then like, it's just. It's literally just the opener to get to the title card. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Forgot about that, actually. I thought that it was actually a great representation of Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds' commitment to the character and like getting the movie made was, uh, was awesome. Yeah, and it's like one of the few Marvel movies I don't really take issue with because it's not technically a Marvel movie. Yeah, because uh, Fox owned it, but now they can actually combine them. Because Disney owns Fox. So there's talks, I think, of like having the Avengers and like the Fantastic Four come together and stuff or something. I'd be curious to see a Fantastic Four movie that didn't suck. By Disney? No, because so far they've just made all ones that suck. Like there's the one with Jessica Alba, that one, those two of them actually, and those got like kind of critically panned and user panned as well. And then they made a. What about the original, original, original one from like the eighties? You mean the one where they? No, that was different. They, they. I've never made, seen that. No, I saw clips from it. They made a TV show out of it, but that was only because the copyright was going to expire if they didn't do something with it. So they produced this like really terrible version of it just to like have something out there, and it looked bad. And it was just like, hey, we need to retain the copyright on this. That's why it was never like distributed. They knew it was crap. Really, my dad had that movie. I thought it wasn't distributed. I mean, maybe not, but it's definitely not like like a widely publicized thing. I don't think you could find it anywhere now. Oh, weird. All right. Well, bye. That's it. Yeah, so this has been another episode of Bearded B-Roll. Today we talked about the top 10 best decapitations, some of which maybe were not decapitations, but people still lost their heads. So don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bearded B-Roll and look for us anywhere you find podcasts. Check out our website, beardedbroll.com, for info and links to merch. Email us with ideas and suggestions at beardedbroll at gmail.com. Bye. We kind of fucked up the beginning on this one, though, right? We fucked up a lot of things on this one because it was take three. <laughs>